Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 30-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, The Four-Hour School Day, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can find all three of those books at Amazon and at my website, dorendawilson.com. I am really excited to be here with you today. Can I just say thank you? Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me. I know that there are a million other voices you could be listening to, and I consider it an honor and a privilege that you allow me to be part of your day and part of your week. So thanks so much for being here. If you are not subscribed to my website, I just want to give a quick reminder to do that right now because you can receive, you will receive if you sign up uh, for my monthly email newsletter, you will receive a free digital version of Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. This is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. So again, if you'll subscribe to my website, you'll get that for free. Also, you will be able to keep up with all the giveaways and announcements that will be coming as my new book makes its way into the hands of moms. It's called Raising Boys to Men, a simple mercifully short book on raising and homeschooling boys. I'm so excited about this, you guys. I can't wait for you to read it. Well, you know, I think we can all say this, that we are aware that the world is noisier than it's ever been before, crammed full of information, opinions, and claims about what's true. The need for our teenagers to be able to think critically is at an all-time high. But the unfortunate reality is that critical thinking skills amongst teens and young adults are at an all-time low. My friends at XL College are passionate about reversing those statistics, and they're doing something about it. XL College hosts a summer leadership camp where young leaders learn to discover God's truth, discern wisely, and live wholeheartedly and have fun doing it. With thrilling adventures like camping and rock climbing and whitewater rafting and expert training and certifications in categories from CPR to wilderness first aid, your teen will have the experience of a lifetime as they adventure into truth. Apply now at thexlcamp.org and select Dorinda Wilson for $100 off the camp. I'll be leaving a link in the show notes for that. Now, the last two episodes here on the podcast, I've focused on finding rest in the Lord physically and finding rest in the Lord mentally. Um, The next episode will be on finding rest in the Lord spiritually, but today we're going to be talking about finding rest in the Lord emotionally. Uh, One thing that can provoke some pretty strong emotions for us as homeschooling moms is math. You've heard me talk about CTC Math for some time now, but have you tried it out yet? CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. Start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. And there's a, I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. All right, so until recently, my understanding of emotions was that they were neutral. In other words, they were neither bad nor good, so all that mattered was our response to them. 
So when I say bad or good, I mean sinful or not sinful, right? Um, so my my thinking and something I've actually said on the podcast is that um, emotions weren't necessarily sinful. Um, what matters is our response to them. In other words, we can't have sinful emotions, just sinful responses. Well, lately, I've been challenged to think through another possibility that at first, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was very resistant to. Um, But isn't that the nature of our sanctification process? You know, maybe you can relate to this, but I can remember when I was first introduced to other doctrines or biblical principles that rubbed me the wrong way to start with. However, as time passed and I prayed through these, these principles or doctrines and I studied God's word, I realized that I was actually wrong. Now, it seems like this is actually what's happening, at least for me, with this topic of emotions. And I find it so interesting that God would bring this to my attention right at the time when I was supposed to do this podcast on finding rest in the Lord emotionally. Uh, I'm still very much in the early stages of processing and studying this idea that emotions can actually be sinful, But I think maybe the Lord wants us to do this together, and he set the timing so that we could. So let's explore this just a little bit together today. And if you want to dive into this topic more extensively, I'll leave a link in the show notes to a long but thorough article called Toward a Theology of Emotion. Now, you may have heard the term a theology of emotion or a theology of suffering, which is having an understanding of what it looks like to suffer well, believing that God's hand is over our lives, that he does all things well, and um, he is sovereign over our lives, including our suffering, and then being able to tether ourselves to scripture that grounds us biblically as we walk through suffering. That's what it looks like to have a theology of suffering. So today, We're going to briefly touch on a similar idea, which is to have a biblical theology of emotions. Now, why is this so important? Well, because this is the gateway to finding rest in the Lord emotionally. If we understand what God's word says about emotions, we have a GPS to help us navigate what can be very turbulent waters, our emotions. Now, let me start out by saying This is not a salvation issue. Um, It is what I would call a minor, not a major issue. However, if we want to grow in our obedience to God, we want to be sure that we know the truth about emotions. Now, as women especially, we can have a real issue with being driven by our emotions rather than led by the Holy Spirit. So again, having a biblical theology of emotions can be huge in helping with that. We need a framework to work from, or we're just gonna be tossed around. So the simplest point that I want to communicate, this is the number one thing that I want to communicate to you, and it's very simple, is that like everything else in our lives, our emotions need to be fully yielded to the Lord. So if you don't remember anything else in this episode, or you're you're kind of feeling a little bit like, I don't know, I might tune her out if she's going to tell me that sometimes my, my emotions are sinful— Throw that off to the side for now and just walk away with this simple message. Like everything else in our lives, our emotions need to be fully yielded to the Lord. That is not something our culture tells us. Our culture says the opposite. 
Culture tells us we should be able to express every emotion. Every emotion matters. We should follow our hearts, blah, blah, blah. We can see where that's gotten us. Um, So obviously, that's horrible advice. It's not biblical, and that's not who we are. We are believers, and um, we want to make sure that we are serving the Lord fully, including our emotions. Now, this is the the only way we're going to find true rest for our emotions is to be fully yielded to the Lord, continually yielding our, our emotions to the Lord. So the question we probably need to ask ourselves frequently is, am I mastering my emotions or are my emotions mastering me? So um, Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters, right? He said, you'll hate the one or love and love the other one. That's just how it is. We're not made to serve multiple masters. We will serve one or the other. Um, And so it can be easy to be driven by or mastered by our emotions. So understanding that emotions can be a helpful gauge, but they make a horrible GPS is something to always keep in mind. Our emotions have to be yielded to God and his word. So all that to say, When we find emotional rest in the Lord, our emotions will not be turbulent. And now that's something that we as women, we experience turbulent emotions pretty frequently. I'm not saying that's wrong. I don't even know. I'm still in the midst of studying this and and, and kind of gauging what this new potential uh, theology of emotions, this, this aspect of potential sin in our emotions. I'm still new at studying that, but I think it it's very true that our emotions can be a helpful you know, a helpful gauge, but a horrible GPS and that if we are finding our emotional rest in the Lord, we're not going to have that 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 turbulence. And that turbulence, you know, can be a really good thing in terms of getting our attention. I think a lot of times God uses our emotions as a as a like a hey, pay attention to this over here. I'm doing something, okay? And so if we can think about it like that, and cooperate with it. Um, We can make our way to that place where our emotions, we're finding rest in the Lord in terms of our emotions. And, you know, that, that idea that our emotions are not turbulent, the best description that comes to mind um, is Psalm 131 that says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It's about pursuing Christ over our emotions. And what the psalmist is saying here is he's not trusting in his own emotions. He's not trusting in his own wisdom. He is looking to God and understanding that there are things he is not going to understand. There are things that he actually does not need to concern himself with because he can trust in the Lord to handle those things. And I think that's a huge part of finding our rest in the Lord emotionally, but it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice. So I'm gonna share a part of an email where one of our elders, Wes, um, lined out a biblical argument that some emotions 
are sinful, okay? Not all of them, um, but some are. And I thought this was so interesting. I'm gonna read part of it to you um, to get you thinking. And if you'd like to read the rest, you can email me and I'll send you the whole thing in full if you're interested in studying uh, a little more about what he has to say about this. You know, I've had Wes on the podcast uh, many, many times and uh, we found him to be very well-grounded, very well-spoken um, and and just very well-studied. And so, um, that so when he mentioned uh, this possibility in uh, one of our church services, it really caught my attention. I kind of actually my hackles kind of went up a little bit, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what is he saying here?" I completely disagree with this. You know, our emotions are neutral. You know, that's those were my thoughts. It's what we do with them that matters. That's that's what I've been told. That's what I've believed for so long. And so I thought, well, this definitely got my attention. I need to hear more of what he has to say because I know him and he, I just can't see him going off the rails like that. He Could he really be that far in left, you know, in left field? And so we started this, uh, my husband and I started this email conversation with him. And again, I have the email for you if you would like to read it in full, but I'm just gonna read part of it here. And here's what he said. When we think about emotions and the Christian life, one of the big questions is whether or not it is possible to sin emotionally. The question of emotional sin is separate from the fact that certain emotions may lead to sin. We're asking whether or not a certain emotion in a certain circumstance may itself be sin. In other words, wrong or improper. The popular evangelical take on this question has been to say that having a certain emotion is never sinful in itself because people can't control their feelings. They can only respond to them. So the argument goes like this. You can only control your actions, not your feelings. So God won't hold you accountable for your feelings, just your actions. Okay, then he goes on to say, where did the idea that emotions are neutral come from? The view that we cannot control and are therefore not responsible for our emotions, just our actions, is a novel view of human emotion that comes to us primarily from the Enlightenment thinker, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. The ancients, talking about people way back in the past, did not believe that we could not control our emotions and that the best we could do was filter them rationally to determine what actions should be taken. What they did believe was that one of the primary purposes of education was to train and properly calibrate emotions to align them with reality. That would be the reality of God's word. So education was teaching a person to love what is lovely, to enjoy what is enjoyable, to despise what is despicable, and to distaste what is distasteful. Um, we have to remember, I'm just taking a little side note. This isn't something he said. I'll finish the quote in a minute. But beauty is objective. It is not subjective. That's another thing we've been taught, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And Wes and I talk about this in the podcast episode called We Can't Understand Beauty Without Morality. And I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. So he went on to say that education for the ancients, including the Puritans, was about shaping the emotions and affections. This was the primary goal so that you didn't have a split person who had to choose between their emotions and their intellect. You work to bring them together. Now, isn't that fascinating, moms? What if that were the goal of our education with our children? 
That's pretty amazing. Okay, it goes on to say, the ancients knew, as we do, that emotions are generally more powerful than the intellect and cannot be divorced from it, which means that they must be properly calibrated if we're going to live virtuously. The power of emotional of the emotional over the intellectual can be demonstrated by the human inability to achieve objectivity. So our lack of objectivity seeps out in all of our academic study. So there are things that we want to be true and there are things that we don't want to be true, not for intellectual, but for emotional reasons. We see this happening all around us, don't we? So those emotional reasons drive our conclusions and cloud our intellectual powers. For example, why is the atheist seeing the complexity, structure, and beauty of the world around him still unpersuaded of the existence of God? Is his problem intellectual or emotional? It's emotional. He interprets the data in a way that accords with his desire. So in other words, moms, emotional disruption can taint what is presented. Someone doesn't want what we're saying to be true, which makes the evidence less than compelling to them. So, that's the end of that, that section of email that I wanted to read to you. And if again, if you'd like to read the rest of the email, email me. Um, but I just wanted to present that perspective to you as something to consider because, like I said, I'm studying it myself. And the more I'm doing so, the more the idea doesn't seem so crazy. And it certainly has the potential for deeper sanctification and a better understanding of what to do with my emotions. But also, when I do that— it gives me direction in what to do in my circumstances. And I'm going to tell you a, a story that happened this week in just a minute that will help um, sort of help give an example, like a real life example of that. But I want to say, you know, just like with anything, there is always great potential to become legalistic about anything. And this is one of those things that somebody could become legalistic about. And that's something we don't want to do. We also don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because the potential for legalism is present doesn't mean we should avoid the topic altogether. We want to know what God has to say about emotions. After all, he's our creator and he made us with emotions. He experiences emotions. He does that perfectly. Um, but we need to know how to best serve him with our emotions, how to align our emotions with him and his word. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the good, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So since emotions are part of our bodies, we can easily see in this text that yielding our emotions to God is one of the ways that we worship him. We don't want to be conformed to this world, looking, thinking, and acting like the sinful world around us, but rather transformed by the renewal of our minds. Our minds are renewed by God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit as we are transformed. Um, as we are transformed, we can discern what God's will is. It makes us wiser, okay? The bottom line is that we need to take our emotions to the Lord. Ask him to reveal our hearts to us. If there's something we need to confess and repent of, he will make that clear. In the meantime, 
we continue to yield our whole selves to him, including our emotions. So here's my example for the week. I actually have a couple of examples, but I'm just going to share one. So we live out on property. We have a road that is a dead end and um, we have our home and then our neighbors. Um, And then at the very end of the road, there are two abandoned houses um, that an older brother and sister own together. And um, nobody lives there. They have a family reunion out there a couple times a year and they're really great people. But one of the owners gave permission to his granddaughter's boyfriend to park, uh, to meet his employees there. He's a, like does lawn care and, and does like tree care and things like that. To basically have his employees park those two, their cars there. And then they get in the truck with the guy and they go to work. So they're going back and forth in front of our house several times a day, which really, you know, that's more traffic than we ever have. And it we weren't real happy about it, but we didn't say anything because we thought, well, you know, he gave him permission, whatever. So um, anyway, fast forward. And this last week we've had Amazon coming a lot um, to deliver packages and for Christmas and all of that. And uh, at one point, the Amazon driver was coming up our driveway, even though we have speed bumps, coming up our driveway so fast that if the two-year-old, our two-year-old grandson hadn't run as fast as he could, he would have been hit. And that just sort of like pinged a reminder that these guys, these other guys are driving back and forth on our driveway. And I just want to make sure that they're going to, you know, continue to be aware that we have children here. I didn't know how much they knew about us. And one is a new employee. So I thought he doesn't know us. He may not know we have a bunch of kids around here. So I wrote a little note and I put it on their windshields and just said, hey, just wanted to um, just remind you to please drive slowly. Um, We have several small children who play outside a lot and told them about the Amazon truck. The next day, In my driveway, I found one of the notes wadded up, basically thrown on my driveway. My driveway is a long ways from the end of the road. So this was really intentional. And the other one, um, the note was on the ground and on the back of it, it basically said, you know, we don't drive too fast. We're parking down here and don't touch my truck. And I was just like, I was completely blown away. I thought at first I was just, angry. I was so angry. And then I was like, okay, why am I angry? It was a very, very strong response, like the entire day. And I kept praying about it. Lord, why am I having such a strong response to this? And I would try to reason it out myself. And it was just nothing was settling my emotions on it. So I had to just keep praying and waiting on the Lord. Every time I'd get upset, just stop. And Lord, I I don't know what's happening here. I don't know why I'm feeling this very strong emotion. I could justify it, but I don't feel like, I don't know that that's it. You know, I needed wisdom. I needed clarity, something more than my own thoughts or my own reason and logic to the whole situation. So that was all day Saturday. And then Sunday was fairly calm. And then Monday rolled around and I was reading in scripture and, um, there, I was reading that Psalm 131 about um, our soul being like a weaned child before the Lord and reading my study notes on it. And the what R.C. Sproul in my uh, Bible, it, I have the ESV Reformation Study Bible in case you're interested, I love it. But in the commentary, he said, giving this example, this imagery 
of a mother, you know, who is nurturing and provides for her child, he 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 described that as a, the strength of a woman that reflects the character of God. God has that same strength as well, that nurturing and that provision. And he's put that in us as moms. And all of a sudden it was like this light bulb went on. And I realized I I was not being rude and I wasn't rude to these guys. They took it as rude, but I was not rude. And all I was doing was reflecting and bearing the image of a characteristic of God. And that response, that over-the-top response back to me was actually an attack from the enemy. And I know that sounds like, that might sound kind of like dramatic, but I believe we are in a spiritual warfare. So even in these situations, it's often not about what's happening in the natural. It's about what's happening in the spiritual realm. I doubt these men even knew why they reacted so strongly to me. And it could be a number of you know personal reasons, but I think at the end of the day, this was this was God's character being reflected and then being attacked by the enemy. And so all of a sudden, it took the personal aspect out of it. I was no longer offended by their response. I was like, no, this offense is actually against God because God is this nurturing. This is what he would do for these children and these grandchildren. And this is how the enemy would respond to that. And so it just brought such clarity and it all started by acknowledging that my emotion wasn't didn't seem appropriate for the situation like it was it was a lot and i thought something so so just having that in the back of my mind that that emotion might be sinful or at least improper not appropriate for the situation helped me it motivated me to bring it to the lord to be willing to, you know, ask the Lord to show me if I'd sinned at all in this situation, if I needed to repent of something, but then finding this beautiful picture of what's really happening in the world around us and being reminded of why we're here. We live here on this earth to represent Christ. We represent his kingdom. And so we are going to be attacked in many, many different ways. But to be able to have that kind of clarity in these situations, um, I just thought it was such a beautiful lesson in being willing to consider that possibly my emotions were inappropriate and for the situation and being willing to yield those to the Lord and then to have him bring that wisdom to the situation. So I just, I think the bottom line that I wanna share with you is that we do need to take our emotions to the Lord. We need to ask him to reveal our hearts to us. Is there something we need to confess and repent of? And he will make that clear. And in the meantime, we just continue to yield our whole selves to him, including our emotions. Because moms, we are pursuing Christ not our emotions. And we do so by training our emotions to align with God in his word. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to another helpful article on pursuing Christ over our emotions. Remember, remember though that emotions are a gift from God. Without them, we wouldn't enjoy the feelings of awe and joy and wonder and excitement and just be able to to feel what we feel is a blessing. God experiences emotions. He does so perfectly. We were made in his image and therefore we can and should 
experience emotions as well. But thankfully, we don't have to be ruled by emotions that don't bring glory to God and aren't good for us. But it requires us to be diligent in pursuing Christ above our emotions. So may we be found faithful to yield this area of our lives to Him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the ways that you reveal yourself to us and you help us as we turn things over to you, as we yield our whole selves over to you. What you give back to us is pure gold, wisdom and discernment, being able to know what your good and acceptable and perfect will is. Lord, that's what we want. We want to honor you. We want to glorify you. That's what we were made for. And when we're living like this, we are at peace and we can find rest in you emotionally. So Lord, I just pray for every mom here that as she ponders the things that were said today, that you would just bring back the simple principles that she would be able to begin to apply immediately. And if you want her to study further, Lord, that you would just lay that on her heart. I thank you that you love us and with an everlasting love, that you are ever faithful and you only want what's best for us. So thank you that we can safely entrust our emotions to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 